On this episode of Breaking the Game, Kenneth and I go over our first and second all most improved teams in the NBA young season so far. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Breaking the Game here on the Nothing But That channel on Dash Radio. I'm Stephen Gillespie, and joining me is buddy of mine and co-host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell. Kenneth, what's up, man? How you doing? Not too much, man. Just enjoying some NFL football on this Sunday, getting ready for other people's kids to come and knock on my door in a few hours here, because luckily I don't have some of those yet. But uh, yeah, happy Halloween to everyone out there. Yeah, happy Halloween is right. And, uh, you know, trick-or-treating and all that stuff is going to be full effect in the Gillespie household later. I have four kids, so, you know, we're all going to get dressed up and go bother people at their door and ask them for candy and all that fun stuff. But, you know, as good as Halloween can be and as fun as Halloween can be, sometimes the way it starts isn't as good as the way it finishes, or should I say vice versa? You know, when you get that stomach full of candy... You know, everything looks good at first and just kind of the way that it's like, oh, wow, I have all this candy in front of me. Let's start eating it and eating it and eating it. Later on, you don't feel as good about as what you thought was going to originally happen in the first place. And that's just kind of my poor segue, Kenneth, into (laughs) the NBA season. Right. So we're seeing all this good NBA action. And, you know, we've missed the NBA. We missed basketball. And it's been so much fun. Right. Later on down the line, we know that people are going to kind of come back down to reality and be like well you know the season should have gone this way if this team didn't lose this player things would be different we're going to start losing how thankful we are for NBA basketball but in the spirit of you know Halloween and the upcoming Thanksgiving Kenneth today we got a fun show we're going to be talking about our almost improved player teams this season before we get into that man just talk to me a little bit about some of the the stipulations that you have when you when you conjured up your your most improved teams? Yeah, when it came to my most improved teams, I, I wanted to make sure that I had uh, two guards, two forwards, and a center on each team. Um, I find that the center position doesn't get enough love. And when you actually look at this season, there's been quite a few centers that have really improved their game. And, you know, sometimes it's due to situation and just getting more minutes, but sometimes it's just them really improving in different aspects of their game. So, For me, I wanted to make sure that the center position got some love. I do have a couple of second-year players on my team. Uh, Obviously, going from a rookie to a second season, uh, some people don't consider that most improved. I do personally because I think uh, when we look at, especially the players that I'm going to mention today, they either went through injuries, they weren't given the opportunity early on last year. Now things have opened up for them and given them a chance to shine. I think they really have taken advantage of that. So I wanted to show them some love when we're talking about these teams today. Yeah, and Kenneth, just to be completely transparent, I didn't include any second-year players, but I kind of get a little bit of where you're coming from because sometimes we don't expect some of these second-year players to take as big as leaps as what we are. It's easy to say, okay, yeah, sure, maybe you know Zion Williamson in in the second year, we would expect him to have a good season, but maybe some late first round draft picks or second round draft picks, not so much, but early going in this year's uh, season, Kenneth, we've seen a couple of those young guys take a big leap, huh? Oh, definitely. And 
full transparency, the second year guys that I have, none of them are like top five picks. Like, yes, LaMelo Ball, we knew was going to take the next step. We saw him win rookie of the year last year. But these are guys that went a little bit later in the teens of the draft even. Uh, and they've just been given the opportunity to shine and, and they've taken advantage of it. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I can't wait to get into that. And again, we're going to just we're going to be like ghosts and remain transparent here. Uh, Kenneth, I don't know what your list is, but you have had the benefit of looking at my list. So it's a little bit of, you know, a, a double window between the both of us here. And I can't wait to to get into who made your teams and see where we disagree. But Kenneth, before we get into our teams, I want to inform everybody that breaking the game as a part of the off the ball network now has a new sponsor. It's Built Bar. Kenneth, I don't know how much you know about Built Bar, but unlike all the other bars that are out there that either taste like old Play-Doh or a piece of cardboard, when you eat a Built Bar, you will think that you are cheating on your diet with a delicious chocolate dessert. If your kids, if you have kids, find out how good these are, you're going to have to buy even more because they'll be begging for them. Kenneth, they have great flavors like cookies and cream, double chocolate, strawberry, peanut butter brownie, and much more. And plus, Built Bar now has a mystery flavor. And if you guess that mystery flavor correctly, you could win a prize. Here's how you do it, though. Go to BuiltBar.com, enter in promo code off the ball at checkout, and not only could you win a prize for guessing this mystery flavor, you also get a 10% discount at Built.com. Kenneth, what do you think of Built Bar, man? Oh, I'm super excited to be partnered with them. I talked to the fiance right away when we found out the news yesterday as Chris broke it on on the CU Sunday show. Um, overall, I'm just really excited. The fiance and I are trying to get ready for a wedding, trying to lose some weight, also gain some muscle, figured what better way to do so than, than check out Built Bar. So we're putting in an order even tonight. So looking forward to it. Yeah, take advantage of that 10% for you, your family, and your friends when you go to Built.com and enter in promo code off the ball so kenneth we're going to transition now from a great sponsor to a great show right and when we were talking about what we wanted to do for this week it's just like you know both of our minds are in such sync with each other we both were like let's talk about some of these guys who have taken big steps in their improvement this year so kenneth without further ado we're going to get into our first teams now we're going to do this kind of mixed up a little bit i'll, I'll go with a couple of my first team guys and then I'll turn it over to you, and then we'll complete that first team. And then, yes, we're going to get into our all-improved second team. So, Kenneth, I'm going to start things off with a bang, dude. I want to give you Harrison Barnes as one of the guys that I have on my first team for almost improved. So this season so far, he's averaging 25 points per game. That's 8.1 points per game better than his prior year. He's given you 10.4 rebounds, which is almost four better than last season. 2.2 assists, which is about an assist and a half less than he had last season, but he's taken on a bigger role as a scorer this year. And his field goal percentage is up a couple of percentages to 51.9%. 13.7% improvement from deep this season, Kenneth, at 52.8% from deep. We've seen him have these ridiculous like turnaround buzzer beater threes so far this season. It's phenomenal to see from a guy like Harrison Barnes, but it doesn't stop there. His usage percentage has increased by 3.3% at 20.4 overall, and his turnover percentage has actually gotten better at 8.8%. What do you think of me having Harrison Barnes here, Kenneth? Harrison Barnes is on my first team as well. I think it's really tough to deny him being on that list. We're talking about a guy that improved in scoring and rebounds, 
yeah, the assist numbers are down, but you don't really expect him to give you a ton of assists in that Sacramento offense, especially when you've got Fox, you've got Halliburton, Heald can even distribute. They brought in Mitchell as well. So they have so many guards that it's really not that surprising to see that uh, his assist numbers are down. But overall, how can you not have Harrison Barnes on this team? If you even look at their team success, they've started the year three and two. But when you looked at their schedule through that first five games, you probably thought, oh, okay, they got the Trailblazers. That one's a bit of a toss-up. You probably lean Portland. They had the Suns on their schedule. You would assume they would lose that game. Well, they won both of those games, and they beat the Pelicans as well. So they're sitting at 3-2. and two, And their losses, close losses to the Jazz and Warriors, both teams that we assume are going to be in the upper echelon of the Western Conference this year. So I think a lot of that has to do with Harrison Barnes' play. So how can you not have him on this list when – his numbers are up and the team success is up. Yeah, and that team success has turned into a bit of a crux or like something that's like a requirement almost for people to have if they're going to vote for them in awards, even kind of fictional awards like what we have right now. There are way too early, most improved teams. So I'll give you my second guy real quick and I'll give you John Morant because I know that there's a couple of guys that we're probably going to agree on, but I'll we'll, we'll divvy them up from the exciting aspect. How about John Morant, though? He had a a poor performance last night compared to what he had been doing all season long. You know, I looked at his points per game last night before the game, and then afterwards it dropped a couple points, but he's still at 28.7 points per game, which is almost a 10-point improvement from last year. 5.2 rebounds per game, which is a little bit over one rebound per game better. 7.7 assists, which is actually an improvement from last year. 52.1 field goal percentage at 7.2% uh, improvement there. And an even better three-point percentage this year at 38.9, um, which is almost 9% better than last season. As crazy as it is to imagine, though, Kenneth, from last season to this season, his usage rate has actually gone up even more this season at 34.6. And his turnover percentage has suffered a little bit, but he is the, he is the straw that's stirring the drink. Here in Memphis, his turnover percentage is at 16.9, which isn't splendid. But if you look at how Memphis has performed so far this season, and you consider that the talent on this roster, at least on paper in the offseason, we thought it got worse, or at least I did. Looking at this team, they're still succeeding, and John Morant in his third year is electric. Kenneth, what do you think about Ja being on the list? Jaw was one of the first names that I thought of when it came to this list. That's why he's on my first team as well. Just even through this small sample size, we've seen him put up stat lines like 37, 6, and 6 against Cleveland. We saw him put up 40 and 10 against the Lakers. And then the big one for me was they were down big against Golden State. And he leads a second half comeback where they were down 19 at one point, 37 and 5 going up against Steph Curry and that team. I mean, overall, I think it's really tough not to have Jaw on your first team because, as you said, his points are up, his rebounds are up, his assists are up, his field goal percentage is up. Like, everything is up except his turnover percentage, which is down. So, I mean, overall, I think it's easy to have Jaw Morant on this team. He's putting himself in a position to be a first-time All-Star this year. I think if Memphis continues to be where they are, because we know when it comes to All-Star game voting, they really do look at team success, which is something that I appreciate about it because I would rather award guys like Jaw if the team is playing well than necessarily a guy who's averaging 30 and not winning games. So for me, Jaw, he's going to be a first-time All-Star this year as long as he stays healthy. 
Yeah, and plus he's, I think he's tied in points in the paint per game so far this season, giving us some Tony Parker flashbacks from back when he was a San Antonio Spur. All right, Kenneth, so go ahead and give me a couple of your guys here. We'll split it two and two. So the first guy I want to mention, and I know that he won't be on your team strictly because of the way that we have our lists, but Cole Anthony's on my first team this year. And we'll get into the other Magic player that you have on your list later on. But when I look at Cole Anthony this year, he's averaging 17.7. That's up nearly five points per game. His rebounds, he's at seven. I don't anticipate he's going to stay there. (laughs) He is a point guard after all. But we know small sample size. But his rebounds, even last year, he was a five rebound per game guy as as a point guard. So I don't think it's crazy to say that he couldn't finish around five or six again this year. I mean, his assists are up. He's up to five per game. And that was one thing in the draft last year where they were a little bit concerned, like, well, he's a great scorer, but can he distribute? He's up those distributing numbers, and I think that's just a testament to him. The big thing for me is the shooting splits. Yeah. Because when you look at it, 44%, he's up 4% from last year, almost five. Three-point percentage, he's at 42, which is up 8.5%. So... That tells me this guy was in the gym all summer. He was working on his shot, working on his game. And yes, does he have ample opportunity in Orlando? Sure. But they need him to improve. They need him to take that next step because they took him with a reasonably high draft pick last year. He was very, very highly touted coming out of North Carolina. And he's just stepped up and really showed it so far this year. So I have Cole Anthony on my list. What do you think of the selection? I think if I were to bend my own rule and award second-year players, it would be criminal not to include him on this list. And anyone who has him and anyone who differs in their philosophy, I have no beef with that. It's just that I know that typically for a most improved player award, it's not going to go to a second-year player. So I kind of added that stipulation here on the team. But Cole Anthony, how about the added pressure of you know them looking at this roster and say, you know, we really need to draft another lead guard, and they went and got Jalen Suggs. It's almost kind of that Julius Randle effect that he experienced the first year in New York before he stormed onto the court and became an All-NBA player when they drafted Obi Toppin, who also played that similar position. So you're looking at Cole Anthony saying, eh, his rookie year was just so-so. Maybe we go get Jalen Suggs, even though we don't necessarily need that because we also have Markel Fultz. They did it anyway, but Cole Anthony has responded, you know, positively. He's showing that he could be the leader of a team at a guard position, which it doesn't hurt if you have two dynamic guards. There's a lot of NBA teams that sport that same look, but Cole Anthony, love him on your list that marked a three-point percentage improvement. If that translates throughout the entire year, the Orlando Magic might have a really good young backcourt for years to come. Yeah, and when it comes to Orlando as well, with Cole Anthony last year, he started really strong. Unfortunately, he had an injury that sidelined him for a big chunk of last season. He came out, though, late in the year last year. He hit some game winners, and that's why I was really high on him coming into this year because to see a rookie like that stepping up, hitting big shots, yes, is it a regular season game? Sure, but the fact that he's willing to take that shot, he wants the added pressure of taking that shot, tells me that he was a guy that was ready to take the next step, and then I think you're just seeing it translate now. The confidence is a lot higher than it was last year, and I mean, just overall really impressive performance so far by Cole Anthony. The second guy on my list, I'll go to the center spot. I've got Rudy Gobert there. Okay. And it's 
pretty crazy to have him on a most improved list when he's won like defensive player of the year multiple times, but the numbers don't lie. And especially from a scoring perspective, he was like a 15 point per game guy, just shy of that. He's up to nearly 18 a game now. I mean, his rebounds, he was always a leader. Speaking of 18 a game. And suddenly now he's 18 and 18. Uh, We don't really include the assists because he's a center, but his assist numbers are up, which, okay, you you give up one more a game. That's good to see. The field goal percentage somehow went up as well. He's up to 72%. The usage is up. The turnover percentage is down. I just think overall, you look at this Utah team and it's like, my question was, okay, how can they do any better than they did last year? Because they were the number one seed in the Western Conference. They lost in the Western semifinals, though. So it's like, this is a very deep team. They went and added Rudy Gay, Hassan Whiteside, as we've talked about before. But what what is the ceiling now for Utah? Is it you have to get to the West Finals, the NBA Finals? I think you do with this roster, the way that it's constructed. You can go nine or ten guys into a rotation not really miss a whole lot with this team. And we're seeing it out of the gate for Utah as well. Once again, they're jumping out to a 4-1 and one start. How can you complain about the Utah Jazz right now? And, and I think Rudy Gobert has just been solid. Yeah, Rudy Gobert, uh, spoiler alert, he was on my second team. And I think a little bit of what you're kind of your prelude to him on your team, your first team, played a part in why he made my second team because it's like, okay, he's been in the league for a hot minute now. You know, he's a, he's an established commodity, but still he found a way to improve. You know, you're you're looking at an almost four-point-per-game improvement in scoring. That's really been the knock against him because he's almost been played off the court in several, you know, postseason performances, but now he's showing that he can be, you know, an absolute finisher. His field goal percentages have always been high. I mean, even if... This two and a half percent field goal percentages is insane, but he's always kind of been, you know, a, a low 60s to mid 60s finisher. But now we're seeing him do a little bit more offensively. His rebounding has grown even more so far in the early going, which is insane. If his blocks ever pick up to what his usual, you know, his usual marks or tallies or whatever you want to call him in, in his blocks per game, if those can get back to regular numbers, you're talking about an all NBA player this season. And I think that Rudy Gobert is an absolute outstanding pick for them. And Kenneth's one thing you touched on was, yeah, they added a couple pieces. Yeah, they drafted Jared Butler, who hasn't really been getting much scratch for them. So you know that the improvement, if there was going to be any, had to come eternally. And I think we almost, out of just a, a weird reflex, will gloss over Rudy Gobert because we felt like there's really nothing else that you can expect from the young man. But here he is, you know, giving you 18 and 18 a night. And his his defensive impact can can still get better, which is scary. So I I think that Utah is this the team that can only get as far as Rudy Gobert can carry them now instead of Donovan Mitchell, Kenneth. I still think that this is Donovan Mitchell's team. I think overall, I mean, I think it's tough for any team though to have a center be the guy that like you want to close out a game. And obviously, yeah, his his scoring numbers are up, but there are two or three other guys that I would rather have the last shot in the game. So to me, it's Donovan Mitchell is what makes this team run. I just think defensively, he anchors that team. He does a great job of doing all the other things. So these offensive guys like the Bogdanoviches of the world can just go out and score and they don't have to worry about their guy getting to the rim and and scoring, especially now with the addition of Whiteside as well. So 
overall, I think Gobert is just that anchor for, for the team, especially on the defensive end. Who would be the rest of the guys that you would have on your first team? All right, so I believe you're up to four, and I've yep. only given two. So uh, Miles Bridges has to be – I would, if I had to guess, he has to be the, the other guy on your first team. Am I right? Yeah. yeah All right, so – Let's just hammer this guy out real quick. Um, 25 and a half points per game. That's almost 13 points per game better than last year. Eight rebounds per game, which is two better than the prior season. His assist numbers have gone down, but he's established himself as the finisher of this team. Like one of the best scores, dare I say, even in the NBA right now. Um, 50.9% field goal percentage. That's up from last season. 36.2% from deep last season. That's actually worse a little bit than what he did the prior year, but he's given you almost three and a half attempts more per game. So you kind of live with that little bit of dip in, in efficiency on the increase in attempts there. Uh, usage percentage at about 24%. That's almost 8% better than last season. And his turnover percentage is is not too far different from last season, only at 10.5% at a turnover percentage, which means that, He's being used a lot, finishing more, not being asked to play make as much. That's why you see a high um, you know, usage rate there and a low turnover percentage because he's not really doing much else other than just being a heater on the court. Kenneth, what do you think about having Miles Bridges on the first team? I, I 100% agree. When you're talking about a guy that's up almost 13 points per game, yeah, small sample size, but you got to have him on this team. Overall, what I've really liked about Bridges, because I've been high on him since he was at Michigan State, I thought that he was a really talented player there. What I like is that he's starting to realize that he doesn't just need to stand out on the perimeter, because that's what he did for the first couple years of his career. He was almost thinking that he had to be that set shot guy, just attempt those corner threes, those wing threes, wait for other guys to, to get you the ball in order to score. He's just now taking the ball and starting to realize, like, I can just go to the rim and I can finish really well. Like, when you're a 50% shooter <laughs> overall, like, that just goes to show, look, I can get to the rim and I can finish effectively. I don't need to stand out there and wait for other guys. I think he's starting to realize that he can just take advantage of this. Um, I think he's in his fourth year now, if I'm not mistaken. So mm -hmm. it's just he's starting to realize now and we always forget like you hear fourth year and you think that they've been around forever he's like what 24 years old like yeah he's so, he's still a young cat so so he's a baby in the nba still and i think that we often forget that because we think oh he's been in the year four years he should figure it out by now still just means that he's in his early 20s and he's got plenty of time to improve and I think he's just going to continue to do that, especially in a Charlotte system that you have the Lamella balls that can distribute. You've added other guys like Kelly Oubre on the wing that also open things up for you. And I think that they're just a really fun team to watch. And Bridges is one of the big reasons why. Yeah, absolutely. And even their kind of secondary point guard, if you will, Ish Smith on this team has helped them out a lot. They run a very breakneck pace. Uh, that's something that I think helps him out a lot, you know. Running the floor, you always have to have your hands up when, with a guy like Lamelo Ball orchestrating that team. So I think that I wouldn't. He's I wouldn't jump sometimes though if if Bridges is going to the rim. Like it might just be better to let him throw down because we've seen people get dunked on quite a bit by Bridges. He is a freak of nature, man. And one of the things that I appreciate about him is that, like you said, he's not really just standing around anymore. He's being aggressive because he knows he has a guy on his team with really 
really terrific floor vision and it can get him some of the best looks that he'll ever have in his NBA career. All right, so rounding out my first team, Kenneth, I have, I'm going to go over one, Tyler Hero. This season, 22 points per game. That's almost seven points better than last season. 6.7 rebounds per game, four and a half assists. That's up from last year. A 45.8 field goal percentage. That's almost two percentage points better than last year. 39 and a half three point percentage. That's all. That's about three and a half percentage points better from last year. His usage rate has gone up seven percent at 30.3, and his turnover percentage has gone down ever so slightly at 11.9. What do you think about me having Tyler Hero on the list here? Full disclosure, he's on my second team. And, and it was really close for me. Um, I think Hero coming off the bench and doing what he's doing in Miami. I never bought into the whole Tyler Hero's a bust because he had a bad year two takes that everyone was throwing around last year because everyone just made his expectations so much higher because he had one really good playoff game. Like, And they know, wouldn't trade him for... James Harden allegedly also. Yeah, like, let's just cool it. Like, if we're talking about Bridges being a baby, he is, like, even further in the NBA in that respect because I think he's only 22 right now. So just temper the expectations with him after year two. And what does he do? He gets a full off season, which is something that he did not get after his rookie year. True. He gets in the gym. Everyone made... Anytime there's a post on social media of him out anywhere, it's like, wow, he should be in the gym working on his game. Like, <laughs> relax. People are allowed to have personal lives, too. Like, Especially so he, in Miami. Yeah, he, he got out. He enjoyed himself. But he also went to work. He got so much better. So I think that this is a big reason why the Heat are a team to, to fear in the Eastern Conference now because him taking that next step really helps them succeed because they need that third guy Kyle Lowry hasn't been it yet and we talked about him potentially not being that when he went there I think it's okay now that you've got Tyler Hero at least so overall I'm happy that you have him on the first team he was really close for me yeah and he might end up being in six man of the year conversations too so rounding out my first team Kenneth is a uh, Cam Reddish I don't do you do you have him on any lists He's on my second team. He's on your second team. All right, so just real quick, 16.2 points per game. That's five better than last year. Uh, his rebounding actually went down at 3.2. Uh, assist number has gone down as well, just, just under an assist per game. Now his field goal percentage has gone up quite a bit. He's at 46.1 field goal percentage. That's almost 10 uh, percentage points better than last year. His three-point percentage skyrocketed as well at 43.3% from deep. That's a little over 17 percentage points better than last year. Usage rate has gone up to 24.6%. And now he has turned the ball over a little bit more, trying to figure out how to be more of a playmaker. He's essentially doing for Atlanta what Tyler Hero is doing for Miami. They're both in kind of a similar role where they're just asked to come off the bench and cook. His turnover percentage is at 14%. Uh, why did you leave him off of your first team? And then with that being said, I believe that you have one person on your – nope, never mind. We covered it. It was Miles Bridges was a missing link. All right, so what do you think about Cam? Uh, Cam was really close for me. It was strictly because of the parameters that I laid out for my team, which was the two guards and two forwards. And because Harrison Barnes and Miles Bridges have been that good, like we're talking about guys that are over eight points per game more, I just had to have them there. That being said, I'm super high on Cam Reddish, and I was when he, he left Duke. But, of course, I'm a Duke fan, so I'm always going to be high on Duke players. Um, but overall, I think he's just proving that 
Atlanta made the right decision because in the offseason, a lot was made of, well, maybe they should move out some of these young guys, go and get Bradley Beal, and then they can make a big three Guilty. in Atlanta, which is <laughs> fine. Like, it's it's not a bad thing if they would have went and got Bradley Beal, obviously. But I think that why not wait and see what you have within your own locker room because maybe they're waiting it out a year or two, letting some of these other teams get a bit older. It's not as if Atlanta's old at all with their roster. And so now they wait another year. Maybe your Reddish gets better. Hunter gets better. Some of these other guys that they have, even like their Jalen Johnson's of the world that's a rookie this year. If they can wait on these guys and they get a bit better, if they wanted to go out and make that trade, probably takes less players in order to do it, or they can just hold on to them and then potentially create something special in Atlanta with Trey Young as the centerpiece. So overall, Reddish, it was just it was tough to leave him off that first team because of how well he's been, but the two guys ahead of him were just too good out of the gate. So that brings me to a question that I have for you, Kenneth. So you said that you agree that he improved, right? We're not disagreeing Mm -hmm. there, but you said the other two have better numbers. Now, I'm curious, for your first team, did you go from guys who took bigger bigger jumps, or did you say, I'm just going to put all these dudes in a pot in the ones that are actually performing better overall versus each other this season make my first team does this way i frame that make sense like did you look at it more as like okay these are all guys that i would consider to be most improved the ones that are performing better this season are my first team or did you look at the ones and say the ones that took like the biggest leap were the first teamers i think what i tried to do was i I tried to factor in team success a bit i mean what hurts with it is the cole anthony argument because we know that Orlando isn't going to win any games, but the fact they've even won one and it was over a New York <laughs> Knicks team, I think that's that we got to consider that a win for Orlando, a team Absolutely. that betting odds had them at 22 and a half wins this year. So they were not expecting them to win many games. But overall, when I look at all the players on my first team, I feel like Memphis took the next step with Jaw so far. Sacramento has performed really well for a team that's kind of in that bubble discussion of. Are they going to be in the play-in game or are they just going to miss out? Starting out 3-2 and two is really good in that Western Conference. Charlotte has been much improved this year, and I think Bridges has been a big reason why. Go Bear as well. Atlanta is 3-3, three and three, so it's not like they've been terrible. But Correct. we could consider that a bit of a slump because they do have a couple bad losses in there, in my opinion, so far. Obviously, once again, small sample size, so that's going to change over time. But... When we're looking at teams this early, I tried to look at have they have teams improved who have been big players that are the reason why they've improved, and that's why I have those guys on the first team. Some of the guys that I'll have on the second team, the team success hasn't been there as much, but they have improved. So and it's just kind of uh, yeah, it's like it's undeniable to say that these dudes haven't taken some sort of leap, and perhaps it's not their fault that their team hasn't been performing as it should be right now. So, yeah, that makes sense to me. So, Kenneth, why don't we uh, – I'll let you get in the driver's seat real quick, and uh, we'll go ahead and shift gears to the second team. For sure. So, Tyler Hero, I mean, we've already talked about him, but overall, him being on my second team, I just – I love his game. I can't stress enough how much I, I love watching him play the game. At 22 points per game, I don't think that's sustainable. As long as he's on that bench role – Like, I think he would hover kind of around 17 or 18. But if he continues to play this well, 
are they going to keep him on the bench and keep Lowry in the starting lineup? Or could Miami ultimately tinker a little bit, let Lowry be that veteran presence on the second unit? I think he's perfectly suited right now where he is because of the way that he's playing. Don't break. <laughs> like you're trying to break something that's not broken. So Correct. And then Cam Reddish is my backcourt mate for him. He's a tough one because I kind of consider him more of a shooting guard than a small forward. I think he can play both, but overall, I like him at the shooting guard spot for me. So his numbers have improved. And, you know, you talked about all those numbers with him, especially the three point shooting numbers, which is what we expected him to do coming out of Duke. We saw him hitting a lot of deep threes, especially. And now I think he's starting to show it. So for your who would be your two, first two on your second team? Well, I'll go ahead. You touched on the ones that I already discussed. I'll go ahead and do the same thing in turn here. I talked about Rudy Gobert and, you know, kind of tongue in cheek asked you, you know, is is he going to carry this uh, Utah Jazz team? Obviously, Donovan Mitchell is his primary duty and responsibility on this team to be the primary scoring option. But having a guy like Rudy Gobert take the leap that he did is in, in terms of offensive production, I think that you can't ignore that so far this this year. And again, I think his defensively, he's still trying to figure out how to still give you those same uh, numerical impacts. Obviously, uh, his impact in the middle of in the middle of paint is undeniable, which is why Utah was the last undefeated team, uh, you know, in the NBA until an unfortunate loss the other night. But you know, Rudy Gobert. I'm, I'm seeing him get his usage percentage up. That just shows that you can, doesn't matter what your role is in the NBA, you can come in, hone your craft, and become one of the best that it is, that, you know, your best asset. You know, in Rudy's, in, in, in Rudy's case, it's being a defender. But you can also come in and get better in all these other areas. Seeing him get a higher usage percentage, seeing him get more involved in the offensive end, I think speaks to that exactly. And so just to give you another player, uh, we haven't discussed anybody else, you know, in, in tandem yet. So I'm going to be fronting a Cleveland Cavalier style lineup here for my second team. I'm going to have three bigs and I'm going to have two guards, really not a lot of perimeter players here, but um, I'll go ahead and give you Jakob Pertle from the San Antonio Spurs. I think that he's giving you one of these low key where the team success, how you kind of alluded to earlier the team success isn't really his fault because when you look at what he's doing, he's giving you 14.3 points per game. That's almost six points better than last year. 10.3 rebounds per game. That's about two and a half uh, rebounds better than the prior year. Assists per games climbed up at 2.8. When you big, give you close to three assists per game, that's letting you know that you can run some offense through him and that you can trust him. And that's something that we haven't really seen a lot of, at least in the mainstream for Yaka Pertle. Uh, looking at his field goal percentage, it's up all four and a half percentage points better than last year at 66.1. Usage percentage has climbed up to 16.3. And then turnover percentage has actually improved as well with the increased usage rate. And his turnover percentage right now is at 13.8. That's two percentage points better than last year. So, Kenneth, what do you think of Jakob Pertle? Not really a name that gets kicked around a lot, but looking at some of the San Antonio games, looking at an early victory, so far this season and we both agreed that San Antonio may not be a real good team down the line with all the youth but Jakob Pertl is looking like he could be a real player. Jakob Pertl is my second team center and it's tough to deny him that and you know a lot of people will point to the Spurs situation of well they're in full-on rebuild because they let DeMar go they let Rudy Gay go so there's opportunity to be had 
But when there's opportunity to be had, you have to jump at that opportunity because if you can't put up numbers on the San Antonio Spurs this year, then why would another organization want to pursue you in the future? So if we're talking about when Jakob Pertl's contract comes up and he could go to them and say, I'm a 14-10, nearly three per game, 66% field goal percentage. What do you think that's going to net you? That's going to net you a pretty big contract in the NBA. And a capable defender on top of that as well. Very capable defender. And so, yes, the opportunity is there to be had in San Antonio. And there's a lot of guys there that are kind of in prove-it mode this year because things have opened up. Who's going to take over and be that first option of a potential rebuild? Well, not even potential rebuild. We know they're rebuilding. But of a potential down the road could be a major part of this organization. Jakob Pertl's taking full advantage of that. I love to see it. When he got traded in that uh, Kawhi trade with mm-hmm. DeMar, people thought that was like a throw-in. Like, oh, you're just throwing in Yakupertl. Well, now it looks great, the fact that Toronto doesn't have DeMar. <laughs> or, or <laughs> Toronto doesn't have Kawhi. San Antonio doesn't have DeMar. The Spurs suddenly or have Danny a double-double guy. Yeah. Suddenly has a double-double guy. So what can you complain about if you're a Spurs fan when you've got a center that's putting up great numbers to start the year? Yes, they picked up a huge win over Milwaukee last night. I mm-hmm. hated the fact that I had Milwaukee minus seven, but I digress <laughs> on that point with the there fact go. that good for them. Good for them to pick up a win over a team that probably no one expected to happen. When you're over a when you're at a seven point spread in the NBA, that's pretty large. So shout out to them for picking up the win there. And I had to have him on my team as well. Um when we're talking about Guys, I'll round out my team because I believe I have two left. I think you have three left, if I'm not mistaken. I have three. Who did you name so far on your second team? So I've got Hero and Reddish, and then I've got Pirtle. Okay, yes. So I'll round out my team. One of them's a first or a second-year guy. The other one's a guy that I guess I hold near and dear to my heart, but uh, we'll get into that in a second. So the first guy is Sadiq Bey. Okay. But, But I've been touting the Sadiq Bey train since last season i've been a huge fan of his i loved when he got drafted in detroit i thought it was one of the steals of the draft but let's look at his numbers so far this year uh overall uh his numbers have gone up in scoring uh which is the big thing for him because when we look at sadiq bay's season uh the year prior he started out cold late in the year he started to hit a lot more threes so overall i think the impact that he's had on that detroit team He's leading them in like so many categories to start the season. And overall, I think he just deserves a lot more love because of it. 17, 9, and 2, which is just so awesome to see for him. So what do you make of me having Sadiq Bey on this list? Again, you know, if I were to include second-year players, he would obviously be in that mix for me. I like Sadiq Bey coming out of the draft. I thought a lot of teams... I'm looking at you, Phoenix Suns, passed up on having a Sadiq Bay uh, on, on their roster. And then, you know, letting him go to Detroit in that draft obviously was was a good get for Detroit. And he's one, he's a Villanova guy. So you know that the guy knows how to play basketball. So you add a grown up, you know, as I, as grown up as a young man could be uh, like Sadiq Bay, just a true professional under that Detroit organization really does a lot for them. I wasn't a big fan of the Killian Hayes pick, but that's neither here nor there. But Sadiq Bey coming in second year, 
in, increasing his points per game by five, doubling his rebounds, uh, and, and giving you almost a full assist per game better. And his role has not really, um, or his minutes per game hasn't jumped up too terrible. I mean, six points per game, I guess, it, is significant. But his role on this team has is, has improved as well, and he's given you good numbers with guys on the court like Jeremy Grant, who was you know one of the favorites for most improved player last season so Detroit is kind of showing a history if you will of you know improvement in their young players or newly acquired players and Sadiq Bey being one of the latest ones to do that Kenneth I I love that addition onto your list the thing about it is the three-point percentage is down but he's also being asked to shoot a lot more I think that's just going to take some time when you know that you have limited shot attempts then I think you're going to take advantage of it it's just going to take him some time to figure that out. The, the nearly double rebounds is the big one for me. He's just doing a lot more for the team overall. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is he's been doing all of this without Cade Cunningham up until last night. That was his yes. first game getting to play with Cade. I think the more that Cade is involved in that offense, especially from the distributing standpoint, I could see the scoring numbers going up. I think the rebounding numbers are going to stay pretty similar throughout the season. I think the assists will go back to where they were just because he's not going to be asked to do as much on the distributing side. But overall, when you've got Jeremy Grant that can score, Sadiq Bey that can score, you've got Cade Cunningham, you're starting to do a serious rebuild in Detroit that makes sense. Isaiah Stewart last year as well Mm -hmm. was another great pick for them. We haven't even seen Killian Hayes a whole lot yet, but I think he's going to keep getting better as well. So Detroit's doing it right. That's what I like to see in the NBA is I don't like it when teams hover around that like 10 spot. Like Detroit made the playoffs that one year with Griffin and Drummond. And then they said, all right, we're blowing it up. Like we're the eight seed. (laughs) We're not getting any better from here. We're going to just go out and and completely rebuild. I love it when teams do that. They're, they're not going to settle for being average. They would like to just start from scratch. So overall, I'm really happy with Sadiq Bay there. The second guy I have, this is a tough one because this is a team that overall has kind of shocked the world out of the gate in the Washington Wizards. And I think in a way you could have multiple guys on this team with Washington, but I'm going to go to Kyle Kuzma as far as my second team goes. We're talking about a guy whose points are up 2.6 from last year. So he's up to 15 and a half a game, which is a little bit lower even than his early years with the Lakers prior to LeBron getting there but his rebounds are up to 11.8 per game. That's stupid. (laughs) He is committing to the rebounding side. And what did everyone think Kyle Kuzma was years ago? He was just a guy that was going to score a lot of points. He wasn't going to do much on the defensive side or the rebounding side. He's committing to the rebounds. Now, do I think 11.8 is sustainable this year? No. But that being said, could he be a nine rebound per game guy? I think it's very possible in that Washington system. And overall, I felt like I had to have someone on Washington because the fact that they've started five and one, you could point to Dinwiddie coming off the injury. You could point to Harrell, who has really improved. Trez has been phenomenal. From the six-man position. But Kuzma, the fact that I've seen him commit, especially on the defensive side, I think he's made a significant stride defensively so far this year as well. So overall, I had to show a wizard some love, and I think Kuzma being there is completely justified what do you make of it would you have had a different wizard i, I might have went on the uh the trez train here but I'll, i appreciate the kuz love because 
here's the thing. I think that he was a fine defender in, in L.A., first of all. And then people forget that he was actually a really good rebounder coming out of college, too. So seeing him go back to his you know Utah days, and I think the, the whole Kyle Kuzma being a bust thing is so overblown. It just shows that people live in the moment too much because this young man was a late first-round draft pick. People forget that. This dude was, from where he was drafted, you're not supposed to be able to come into the game as strong as he did his rookie season. His, his later his later years when LeBron got there, I think probably should have been the expectation from the jump. But now that he's in Washington, he's not the man there either. But I think that he's enjoying playing there a little bit better, obviously, than he did in L.A. because the expectations were, were probably too high. We saw that with a guy like LaMelo Ball, and look at how great he's doing this season in Chicago so and Brandon Ingram as well down in New in New Orleans so which is like the pressure of being a Laker can be too much for some of these guys especially when you're so young but I love that you have Kyle Kuzma on your second team so Kenneth it looks like I got three dudes uh, on my second team that you didn't and again because you had second year guys I got a quick question for you Desmond Bain how come you didn't have him as a as a as a guy, if you were considering second year players, you know, he was right there for me, to be honest. He's like my two B like he would be right there. Overall having jaw there. I think yes, Bain has really helped with that. I tried to show love to, to a lot of different teams with this as well. So I think overall Bain could be there, but it was just really tough for me to have two Memphis Grizzlies on this team but he would be on my third team if we had one. Well, listen, I'm not going to hold back from giving some Memphis love, but I'm also not going to put Desmond Bain on there. I'm going to put teammate of Jaw and Bain, DeAnthony Melton on there. 13.7 points per game. That's almost four and a half points better from last year. Five rebounds per game. That's almost two boards better. 2.8 assists per game. 43.1% from the floor. That's actually down a little bit, but if you look at the attempts per game and the shot difficulty that he's attempting this year, I can live with less than 1% dip in the field goal percentage. But his three-point percentage at 43.2 has gone up two percentage points better. Uses percentage is up almost 6% from last year at 24.6. And the turnover percentage is actually has worsened, but again, that usage rate is up and what he's been asked to do this year has changed drastically. We know that DeAnthony Melton is also a pest on the defensive end of the ball. Kenneth, what do you think of me having DeAnthony Melton on the second team? I really like him being there, especially we thought when Dylan Brooks missed some time that this was going to be pretty significant for them. But the fact that he stepped in and performed the way that he has, I think when Dylan Brooks comes back into this rotation, some of those minutes might have disappeared a little bit because of the way that Melton's playing. And it's good to see for Memphis as well, a team that we think is going to be in that playoff hunt. It shows the depth that they have. And they have a lot of guys that you don't really talk about. Like you talked about Desmond Bain. Like that's mm-hmm. a guy that doesn't get very much love. Memphis in general just doesn't get very much love in the NBA. Exactly. So to shout out guys like Melton, even John Morant, a guy that was having a great first couple of years, and we almost don't mention him sometimes because he's in Memphis. So, yeah, I like you having Melton on this list. All right, so now we'll move on down the list. I also included Damian Lee as the most improved candidate. Now, I know a lot of people like Jordan Poole, but if you look at how he's doing this year to the last, it's not as drastic of a change, in my opinion, as what we're seeing from Damian Lee. He's giving you 14.2 points per game. That's almost eight points better this season. Rebounding down a little bit at three rebounds per game. 
assists per game, only one because he's asked basically just to be a catch and shoot player. How about this, Kenneth? He's given you 46.2% shooting from deep. That's an almost 7% increase from last year. Uses percentage down a little bit, obviously, because players are healthy on this team now and they've acquired more guys. And then also his turnover percentage has actually improved because he's not really asked to do much more of creation. So turning into this, you know, three and D type player that they have out in Golden State, Damian Lee's on the list. Kenneth, what do you think? Uh, I think Damian Lee is a great choice because I didn't think that there was really a case for Jordan Poole on this list, given the way that Damian Lee has played. We're talking about guys that put up the same points per game, but one does it way more efficiently. And then we talk about defense as well. Jordan Poole isn't a bad defender. He's not a great defender either. I think Lee is actually one of the better uh, perimeter defenders in the NBA right now. So overall, I love the fact that you had him on there. Especially look at how Golden State has played out of the gate. Five and one without Clay Thompson. Yeah, Steph has been a big reason why because of the way that he's playing. But can't be understated when you've got guys like Lee and Poole putting up 14 per game as role players. That really helps you. We haven't even talked about guys like Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green on that team. Like, This is a good Golden State team, and I think it's why a lot of people were high on them heading into the year because even if Clay misses significant time, they've got more depth than they've had in quite a few years. So I'm happy that you have Lee on this list. Yeah, and I know that um, you know a couple guys on the network, Chris Bolton is a Golden State Warriors fan, and then kind of I think kind of a closet Golden State Warriors fan is our buddy Mo. And uh, I know that he was really big on the Jordan Poole train, but I'm sure he's happy to see Damian Lee here. All right, so Kenneth, rounding out my second team, um, another one of three big men that I have on this list, and I think it's kind of a pleasant surprise. I wasn't really high on him in the draft, and I still, though, like to see guys succeed even when I'm looking at them and say, okay, I don't think that you can do as better as some of these other guys. I still am glad to see Mo Bamba accomplishing what he is doing in Orlando. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's giving you 13 points per game. That's a little bit more than five points per game, better than last season, nine rebounds per game. That's over three rebounds per game, better than last season, two and a half assists per game, which is almost an assist and a half better than last season. 53.1% from the floor. That's almost 6% better than last year. 44.8% from deep. That's almost 13% better than last year. Usage percentage of 16.6%. That's actually gone down from last year. And his turnover percentage has gone down as well because you're kind of seeing a Mo Bamba asked to do a lot on this Orlando Magic team. So I saw that you had teammate of his, Cole Anthony. What are your thoughts about Mo Bamba being on my second team? Uh, this is another guy that would be on my third team. Um, when I, In the preamble, I talked about how the centers have improved this year and you know, you can look at Gobert, you can look at Pirtle, but if we're talking about a center that I think a lot of people would have considered a bust strictly mm-hmm. because of injuries, he's proven that that's not the case. Um, what he can do on the floor, he can do what very few centers can do in the sense that he can play outside and inside. Not a lot of centers can do that. And overall, I've just been really impressed with Bomba. He's committing to the rebounding side of things. Once again, ample opportunity to be had in Orlando. But if you don't take advantage of that opportunity, then you could find yourself out of the league in a couple of years. Bomba's proven that he's worth money in the NBA, that he can have success in the NBA. And so overall, having him on this most improved team is important. Yeah, and I think Orlando is kind of showing that they had some faith in him because 
Yeah, they brought back Wendell Carter Jr. in the trade that they sent out Nikola Vucevic to the Chicago Bulls. But when you draft a, a young big like that and you have a big ahead of them, sometimes big men just need time, Kenneth. I say this all the time, that big men take time for whatever reason. The, their roles that they have on the on the offensive end could be a little too daunting. But even on the defensive end, guys are just bigger, stronger, faster than what you're used to guarding. And sometimes, when, especially when you're more of a, I would hate to say frail in a negative sense, but you're you're more slender built as Mo Bamba is than say like a Nikola Jokic, a Joel Embiid, a Yosef Nurkic. You, you get my drift here. You know, he's not that big of a guy. So maybe adjusting to that NBA athleticism and, and height and strength it just takes these guys a little bit longer, but I'm glad to see Mo Bamba actually getting some sort of steadfast role because he's given you really good numbers on the offensive end. He's improved his efficiency, and defensively, there's still room for him to grow there too. So here's hoping that Mo Bamba can carry out, you know, this early success as well as the rest of these young men, Kenneth. You know that they can continue their early success on throughout the rest of the year. For sure. I'm really happy for him. I'm happy for this Orlando team. The fact that we have are even mentioning two Orlando players on these lists, I think is really important because it's not a team that a lot of people are going to watch this year, but we've seen these two. We've even seen Wagner and Suggs, the two rookies, they're getting their starters minutes. They're putting up solid rookie numbers. And this is a group that could grow together in the next few years, continue to get better because they're all under 25 and they just have a, a ton of potential. So overall, just happy, especially for Mo Bamba to come back. Best song in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kenneth, that's going to wrap up our conversation for most improved players. But before we close out, you know, we're going to continue to do some of these like kind of way too early takes and things like that. But Kenneth, what's just been your feel? You know, we've we've talked about the first week of the NBA and the kind of love affair with that. The second week's over. When do you think that we start stop looking at some of these aspects that we know that we're kind of overreacting in the moment? When do you think real basketball and the way that our thoughts and opinions are going to be kind of firmly formed, when do you expect that to take place? I expect it to take place after Christmas time, personally, because I think at that point, once you've had two full months under your belt, closer to two and a half, I think you get a feel for who the teams are because that's when you're starting to cross that 30 game mark. And, you know, we talk all the time about even some of these teams like the Brooklyn's and Lakers of the world that aren't quite there yet. That's when you start to realize, okay, what are these teams going to be? And that's where these bad teams tend to go on those losing streaks. And then you kind of separate out from who's contenders and pretenders overall. So for me, it's usually, around christmas time what about you yeah i think once you get to that second half of the season that's when we really start seeing things kind of firm up and and cement at least where we think that guys are going to or teams are going to finish in general you know obviously some of these positions they can jockey a little bit depending on how tight the race is but we still have games to be played obviously that are going to be significant and if you look at the standings right now kenneth i think you might even it might be safe to imagine that we have an NBA champion right now somewhere in the middle of the pack. You know, we see teams that are underperforming. We see teams that are playing over their heads so far this season. I think right now, I, dare I say that the future NBA champion is sitting somewhere in the middle of the standings. For sure. I think when you look at a couple teams that have started hot, like Utah or Golden State could be one of those teams. 
they could not be one of those teams. Who knows? But overall, when you've got teams like the Lakers in the middle, the Nets are in the middle, even Milwaukee to an extent is in the middle as well. I think, you know, you got to give it a bit of time to see where they where they ultimately end up. But I would agree. I think the champion could be in the middle as well. Yeah. So before we close out, Kenneth, well, it's, uh, let's not fail to promote our fine other sponsor here on the show, my bookie. For sure. My bookie matches up to 50% of your first deposit and up to $1,000. That's the largest bonus in the industry. The highest credit card acceptance rates, fast 48 hour payout processing. Use promo code off the ball in all caps at sign up and let's win big. How can you not promote my bookie? Great sponsor of Off the Ball Network. Absolutely, especially when we got guys who just know the betting world inside and out. The guys that produce, you know, and, and star on bets on bets on bets, that being you and Patrick, which y'all just had a tremendous show earlier today. If you're watching this or listening to this live, Kenneth, y'all did this uh, tremendous job, you know, on bets on bets. So if you guys just go and read and listen to everything that Kenneth and Pat say, you go over to our awesome sponsor, my bookie, interim promo code off the ball. You guys can win some money and, you know, we'll help you get there along the way. So, Kenneth, we're going to wrap up the show. But before we do, let's let the folks know where they can find uh, your work and find and follow you on social media. For sure. Follow me on social media at shooters underscore pod. You'll find all of my work there. Retweet all the great off the ball network stuff there as well. So just be on the lookout for that. As you said, bets on bets on bets is a show that we do every Sunday. Pat is 13 and five over the last six weeks so overall he's been profiting every week and so you got to be following his picks especially my units are about on par with his although the record may not reflect it so overall just super excited for everything happening at off the ball network and shooter shoot is coming up right away here so stay tuned for that as well absolutely can't wait to tune into that and as for myself you can follow me at steven g hoops on twitter you can follow me at steven w gillespie on instagram you can follow Breaking the Game at large at BTG NBA Pod anywhere social media is available. Also, don't forget to go and download the podcast and talk about it, share it with your friends. Uh, just look up Breaking the Game anywhere you get your podcasts. And, you know, anything that you can do to help, you know, rate, review, subscribe, share, like, follow, all that great stuff. It, it doesn't go unnoticed and it makes a world of difference. Uh, also, president of Off the Ball Network, Chris LeBron and I, we're doing Draft Capital. It's our draft, uh, NBA draft-centric podcast. We just had Tyler Rucker of the Backcourt Violation podcast and have no ceilings on. Uh, later this week, we're going to have Albert Gim of the Draft Act podcast, also a member of that uh, No Ceilings Collective. And we're going to be able to talk about some of the top returning players, so don't miss that. That's also here on the Nothing Minute channel on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. But don't go anywhere because Off the Ball Mondays is in full effect here on the Nothing Minute channel. But as for breaking the game, uh, for my co-host, Kenneth Cottrell, for myself, we will catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody.